Hey, welcome back to the Zeitgeist Podcast. You're listening to Connor. We don't have Derek for this episode, but we do have a special guest named Eli Weaver. And please excuse me if my audio is a bit choppy right now. I'm living on a houseboat in the North Sea of Germany for the next few days. Um, but about the show, Eli and I met in an online course called Ship 30 for 30, where we published 30 essays in 30 days. And it was a fantastic experience. So at the start of the show, we explored that, told you about it. And then after that, we kind of got into persuasion, copywriting, and our plans to monetize our new passion for writing. Besides that, we went down a few rabbit holes into human nature, practical psychology, and the best books ever written. So it was really a pleasure to talk with Eli, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoyed filming it. Dude, I didn't write at all. I've never written before. Uh, I couldn't even hold a journal for more than like two two weeks, two months. Um, so like I've 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 had fifteen, twenty different journals that all I get to like <laughs> page twenty, and then there's just empty pages. Um, and that's been my experience ever since I was a kid. So ship thirty was really the first time that I sat down and committed to making sure I completed the thing every single day. So I've written more over the last 30 days than I have over however old I am, you know, like <laughs> we'll save we'll save that number for later. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's been a complete game changer. I, I didn't ever think I could write. I didn't even, I was, I was one of the people that walked around and said, I'm not a writer. Dude, um, I can't like, that is just so common in so many walks of life. I had that with language learning too. You know, I was like, mm. I that high school Italian class and I said, I'm not a language learner. I suck at it. And that wasn't the case. I just needed right. the motivation or needed the um, forcing function. And I think that's the beauty of Ship 30. It's like, okay, try this out. See if you can do it every day. Yeah. Oh, shit. I like that. <laughs> well, it's crazy because you and I both, you and I both are teachers. So we work with people on a consistent basis, breaking that mental barrier, that, 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 that force field they have around themselves saying that I, you know, I can't do math i can't do like my, my uh like most of my experience is teaching ballerinas how to become freestylers and hip hoppers like they grew up thinking oh all i can do is this formal specific thing that i've been trained to do since i was like three years old mm -hmm. but uh, i just want to be free and they none of them think they can do that and i i like for what 20 20 25 years i've been teaching people how to do this and it's it's just crazy to have that frame shift that now I'm on the receiving end. It's, it's, it's really impactful. So I, I, I have to say that ship 30 is one of the most, um, impactful is so small of a word. It's, yeah. it's, it's, they, they're the most true to their word. Like they, I've never heard a claim that I believe that they overfulfill so much. And you know? it's also like, you don't see anyone talking shit about it. Like no. everyone who does is like, yeah, this is, this is good. It was almost like hard to believe. I was like, really? Yeah. Should, should yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing is you keep, you keep looking, you keep looking like online, like, is there, is there someone, is there anyone that's going to be true? Is anyone going to have anything real to say? Cause um, I, like everywhere that I went, matter of fact, I was, the reason I actually did it was because I was following a guy that I was thinking about taking his course and he mentioned like what it did for him and that was when I said okay you know I got a fine this guy is literally selling his own thing 
and he has a whole line that he wants to push and he's giving his kudos to this program, which allowed him to be able to do this. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a pretty bold, bold, bold ask when you're, you're actually, sp- yeah. you're asking more money than the, than the, than the thing that set you up to be able to do this. Yeah. That's the thing to do that such value because it's at such scale too. They must be making so much money with it too. It's a crazy thing. Oh, and it's, it's just, it's in its infancy, you know, like this is like, it's a toddler right now. It's just now, it's just now ramping up. Right. Like this yeah. is their, this, this is their biggest one, but this is what their third round, is this their third round. No, I think it's like 12 or something. Oh, this is 12. Okay. Okay. But still, they're, they're, but still like yeah. universities have been around hundreds of years. So it's totally, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing so well, but I, I want to ask you, uh, this is a pretty specific question. You'll, you'll get this because you did ship 30. Okay. But sort of the for who, so that framework, I think is one of their best frameworks. Just, okay, I need to know who I'm writing for so that they get this outcome or this benefit or whatever. When you think about for who, so that, can you put that onto ship 30? Ship 30 is for who, so that what? Or try your best. I know it's, it's I think there's a lot of answers to that, but. There are. Uh, and, you know, and that's funny because, you know, in, in Ship 30, you learn that whenever that's so wide, uh, it's, it's, I mean, you know, those marketers, if you're, if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Exactly. But I will say that this fills a need for so many different people that it is a very semi-universal uh, experience. I think Ship 30 is for, for anyone to develop a writing habit so that they can empower themselves. No, that's too easy. Double down on the for anyone. It, it, it can't be for anyone. We know this. If you don't know who you're targeting, <laughs> nothing else matters. You know. You're on, you have me on the spot. This and is. Uh, I would say when when I thought of that, I thought for creative people, like just generally creative people. So okay. they can spend a month going through ideas and just becoming consistent to something. Because one of the, the downsides of having a creative personality, I don't know if you've experienced, but I've definitely experienced this, is it's hard to stay consistent. It's hard to like extreme sure. object syndrome. Oh, I like I like YouTube now. I like TikTok now. I, I want this. And Ship 30 was like, no, you're, you're writing for a month. And they said, okay, that's what I'm focusing on. Uh, yeah, so I'd say it's for creative people so that they can and like writing so fundamental if you can write well you can communicate everywhere else well and it it lets you right. really slow down and really think about the patterns and what works I, I think just i can't believe it took me this long to come to writing like it's so much fun and it's so valuable i'm, I'm still chewing on for who so that because i i believe that that you're right it's for creatives but i also think there's a space for I mean, you could really think about it. Like you could go to different, a couple of different directions. It's for, it's for analog writers to learn the online game. So they, so they can, transition into, or so that they, so they can monetize their previous writing craft. I mean, or you can go for the new aspiring uh, writer so that, you're right. The creative people works, but I think that you can start niching down from creative to specific areas. And that's when you get like infinite uh, possibilities for the, so, so that, 
And yeah, one of the one of the reasons Shift Thirty is so successful, I think, is it's so applicable. It's for yeah. it's for so many people for so many outcomes. Uh, it, it's, it's that's really well, that's I off, but like that's that's what I'm thinking now. Is you've been writing for how long? Three years? Not that longer. Yeah, but I've, I've been like I I was pretty much sure that I'm gonna my career is gonna be something related to creating content for the past like year, like pretty much sure. So you've been you you were I would consider you you intermediate. No, there was I'm very much a beginner man. I've made, I've yeah. Like, oh yeah, so then you're a beginner. I was I was zero miles per hour. I had never done <laughs> zero miles per hour to your ten to fifteen miles per hour, right? And Craig Clemens has also done shit thirty. So and, and, well, I'm not sure if you noticed there is a guy by the name of Rob Marsh that was in our that was in our cohort. Rob Marsh runs um, the copywriter the copywriter. Hmm. Copy. I'm drawing a blank. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his. Yeah, I saw his Twitter. Oh. He's got a big, a big. big now yeah. he might he might be just scoping it out, but I I've come across more than a few high level people in there, or even high level writers. Brad wages as other avenues to get themselves either back in the groove online in a different. Like, and that's what I'm. That's, that's what's amazing to me is that you've got three or four different levels between there, and then there's infinite. If you continue looking at our cohort, there are people that have been writing for five years, 10 years, one year, you know, and so it's, that's the part that, that really baffles me is that it fits and they all walked away saying, wow, yeah, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, for me, you know, for you mentioned um, the, the framework uh, for who, so that, um, Mine was one three one. Once I once I saw one one, I realized, oh, that's how you get from topic into the body, into just, some support. Just explain one three one real quick in case the person listens. Okay, one one three one is essentially your opening line, uh, which then you support with three sentences, and then you have a baby sentence at the very end, which kind of ties it all together. This gives you a structure of having uh, an interesting hook to come into this, which allows you to have almost like a a nice first taste. Then you have some supporting information that afterwards, and then you have a little space so the eye kind of pulls down, and you have one more resonating note so that it's not too much for people to digest all in one bite. And that's the part that I it it freed me up to be able to express myself uh, quickly, but it also takes the pressure off that I don't have to get into the body. I don't have to be so important like right off the mat, right off the bat, like. I don't have to dive into the, into the nitty gritty. I can just let them have a, a, a taste of this appetizer and then I can warm. And it really allows people to kind of breeze into your, um, your copy or your, your writing. And I think, you know, in our, in our group, I was thinking about this. This is the thing that I think that they're going to benefit the most from is that I think a lot of writers um, come from a, a position of, the craft already. So they, I feel like they don't recognize how intimidating structure is for the non-literary person. And so when they, they were asking in, the, in the, the group, you know, what can we do to help the content writers get like 1% better? My first, my first thing I'm gonna give them is structure because I feel like the 
the first thing that we're doing as writers or as as content creators is we're we're really a cure for boredom. That's really the first thing that we're doing. It's like nobody's going to read your thing for anything yeah. else other than interest. If you don't get attention, like nothing. It yeah. Is, yeah. And so I think that's the part that I think uh, I walked away realizing, like, oh, I've got to worry about. I'm more concerned about how I put things together. Yeah. Uh, than I'm exactly about my talent because I think the talent's going to come with time. Um, or I say talent come with time, the ability comes with time, but the structure I can get right now, I, I can make sure it's not hard to get mm-hmm. into my, or my writing as, as, as we're sitting, as we speak. So that's the, my, my main focus for the group. What about, what about you? If you were going to help them get 1% better, what would you offer them right now? Well, well, just the first thing to build on what you just said, it reminded me of two things. The first thing is, uh, Joe Sugarman wrote this book, the copywriting handbook. I got this from Dickie. Slippery slope, exactly, right? What's the job of your headline? To get them to read your first sentence. What's the job yeah. of your first sentence? To get them to read your second sentence. And this one through one, it works so well because it's, and Dickie and Cole call it eat one chip, right? Chip, right. The first line, it's like, it's there, it's like bait. You know, it's, it really, it makes sense when you understand what the point of all this is, uh, why this one through one is so effective. I, I think of Pringles. I'm like, once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> if they get they hit you with a banger opening sentence, you can't help. Like you're gonna say, okay, what's next? You know? Yeah. And then the second thing when talking about formatting is it's like it's so freeing actually to have some sort of rules and then you just plug in. And like I'm working with LinkedIn a lot right now. And the thing with LinkedIn is you get three lines and two white spaces to hook someone, where you could do it a little bit differently, but that's the that's the foundational way. You're working, it's always within this way. And now while I'm walking, while I'm having ideas, my ideas are now fitting into this system. And kind of that ABT thing taught me, like, I, I wrote Craig Clemens a letter. Uh, he said it was great, but here's what happened. Just for example, like just having some sort of structure, having some sort of framework that you follow is what allows you to express your ideas. If it's just all willy nilly, just a block of text, it just like doesn't work. If there's no rules right. at all, it's not freedom. Well, it, and I, you're right because a form formless is a form is a form. I don't know if that makes any sense, but to be formless, you are still adhering to a form. But the powerful form of formlessness understands the structure that it's not following. So mm. I don't know if I'm getting too far off into this, but I used to be a freestyler. I used to be a hip hopper. So um, one of the things we used to do is we used to like just cut up and just groove and just flow with, we would just flow, right? But to get to that point, to get to the point where you could just, you know, think of it like jazz improvisation. If you hear a saxophonist or someone just cutting up on, a, on an instrument, he has to learn structure first. Mm. If you compare what he's doing to a six-year-old who gets a hold of a, trum- a trumpet and it's just blaring away, you recognize what he's not doing. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but makes the, a lot of sense. the the beauty of formlessness comes from understanding what form is and then playing off of that, playing off of what ex- what people expect. Then you go into the other areas. So like to your now, to your three, to three and two. Yeah. Once you master that, you're mm-hmm. going to get to the point where you can start using, you can start breaking up the areas within three and two. You're going to have more more space to do what you're doing even in that small tight area so that's that's like my takeaways i'm 
the form, I agree, it's freeing because now you see, ah, this is this is our boundary to play within. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it becomes almost like, okay, then how now that I'm not dealing with the entire world, I'm only worrying about this amount. Mm. It's just like uh, going from like uh, a bar fight to like boxing. Like how much can I do within this tight space here? And you begin, you begin real creative in that little tight area, you know? Absolutely. And this actually, when, I, when you take, when you bring this up, it reminds me of one of my biggest takeaways of Ship 30. Like mm -hmm. one of the best things that I got out of Ship 30 was understanding the power of focus. And just mm. accepting my limitations, my, like, before I had a hard time accepting trade-offs. There's a, a, it's always trade-offs. A decision to do X is a decision not to do Y. And right. I never wanted that, right? Last year, I tried to write the blog, tried to do YouTube, tried to learn a language. Too much, way too much. And now, Ship30 tell me, okay, well, I want to double down on writing. I gave it a try. Yes, I do want to double down on writing. Even more specific, I'm going to double down on LinkedIn. Because of what you just said, right? I need to perfect this structure, this three, two on LinkedIn, get perfect at it so then I can break the rules, then branch out. But I think there's so much value in niching down, niching down, niching down, niching down, perfecting, then you can provide massive value, right? Then I can go do that right. for people too, which maybe we want to talk about ghostwriting now. That kind of I would love to. I because I, I think you probably have more more to offer than I do. I'm I'm still like I'm peeking, I'm like peeking behind the counter, the counter, like, oh, this world exists. <laughs> what, do I, yeah. what do I do to get in? People, you know? people don't know what ghostwriting means, which is totally fair. I didn't know what it meant like six months ago. And uh, it also sounds a little icky at first. Maybe some right. people uh, are not too comfortable with it. I, I personally think it's totally justifiable. But would you like to just explain what ghostwriting is, how you think about it? Um, I, I think, I think what ghostwriting is, is someone who takes, takes a person's ideas and concepts and puts them into a structure that is easily followed and understood. Maybe that. a better storyteller, maybe a better, uh, uh, I don't know what you call someone that structures something, but their job is to take, is to take what already exists and then need it and form it into a, uh, a format that the audience can relate to. So that's, that's part of the reason why I don't feel like it's very icky is because I feel like there are many, the reason why these amazing people exist is because what we just spoke about is they niched down, they niche down, they niche down, and they're good at this thing. And they may even be good, a good communicator, but being good at communicating doesn't mean they, tra doesn't mean that they translate very well on, on paper, mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter. Um, for, I mean, for example, I, I would assume that most most speeches you've ever heard that are that are well well known from a from a a political figure that you really admire was was ghostwritten. So as much as you might like to think that that was the speech that made them, someone else put those words together, and that's the thing that made me feel much more comfortable accepting it. Is that those people are amazing, but they need someone. Uh, as much as same thing for sales, I feel like uh, this is the thing about ideas. Ideas can be great, but people don't just do great ideas they need someone to package those ideas and to be able to speak those into a way people can understand them. So that's the beauty of, um, of ghostwriting. I think it's just a synonymous, it's synonymous to sales in my, in my book. I love how you explain that, right? It's taking somebody's knowledge and packaging it so people can understand it. And it's two different, it's two different skill sets. 
There's having the knowledge and being able to express the knowledge in this way. And I think that's the value of really niching down, either getting super good at Twitter threads, getting super good at LinkedIn, because then you have something and you say, hey, look, I understand this. Let me take what you right. have, we put it together, 10x both of our skill set. <laughs> it's beautiful, it's positive sum. And I mean, it's I think it's a game worth playing. If you're interested in writing, if you're if you're looking to support yourself, that's why I'm I'm pretty hyped on it. I I think so too. I think I'm realizing that communicate communicators themselves uh, are necessary for just that particular reason is that they they people need some way of being able to translate even great ideas into ways that other people will understand and so that's the um that was that's the reason i doubled down on 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 writing as well i realized that there's always going to be a need to communicate and um the better you are communicating it's it's just one of those things where you can 10x so many different other avenues um, just because you're, that skill set is a multiplicative for anything else. Everything, everything. Yeah. And, and as you're niching down and getting really good at the LinkedIn stuff, you're still learning copy. You're still learning persuasion. So it's still going to be applicable in other areas. So I think this is an excellent game to play. Uh, it's never been more important to self-publish. More and more rich and powerful people are understanding this and are going to get in the game. I think it's a growing market. Um, I feel just super optimistic about this idea of becoming a ghostwriter and, and helping people get their knowledge out there and helping other people get that knowledge. It's like being a bridge between knowledge and people who need the knowledge. It's just, exactly. it's- That's why the best of, of, of visualizing is like you are a bridge. And there's probably easy to say that there's never been a better time to learn it. Mm. Um, there's more messaging happening right now there's more opportunities for you to learn this thing right now. And um, there's more people getting online every single day. So it's, it's, just, it's becoming more and more valuable of the skill set. Yeah, so, um, and we, we know the big news that you recently became a ghostwriter. Is it true? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a ghostwriter. I'm, I'm learning how to ghostwrite. Oh. I, couldn't, I couldn't claim to be a ghostwriter. I am uh dipping my toe in the in the bucket of ghostwriting for sure i won't put you on the spot but have you had a client uh i i just landed my first client um yeah my first client like writing like uh, all together so that's the Incredible. that's the big the big like <laughs> brain brain explosion for me is um i'm getting paid to write so that's uh it's beautiful because i get a, I, i'm getting paid to learn um uh, yeah I guess that's do you want to tell the story of that? I don't know if it's too uh, confidential or do you want to just tell like how you got a client, no testimonials, no previous paid writing experience. Like that's the easy. Cool. Yeah. The easiest way of, of summing it up is that I did ship 30. I mean, that's, really, <laughs> that is really the, the, the culmination of how this, how this came to me is that I, I, I committed to making sure that I was going to post and uh, learn. I say post. I was going to learn what they, what they were giving us every day. I was going to put that to use and I was going to, going to expand on it through, uh, through repetition. Um, I found out that I had a little bit of skill being able to put ideas on paper yeah. because I did, I did not believe, did not believe that at all. Yeah. And through that, through just the community and being intertwined and asking and talking to people, 
Um, I was approached and asked, hey, did I want to give this a shot? So it was one of those things where I probably didn't do anything directly as much as learn and implement as uh, in, the, in the cohort, but it is a testament to say what is possible when you, one, build in public, uh, two, I'm gonna give a shout out to Ship30, Ship30 makes things happen, and three, um, you believe that you're capable of doing something more than what you see every day, because that, that's the real thing that I'm recognizing is that most of us, and I'm pretty, pretty confident to say that all of us have a limited view on what we're really capable of. And um, that was a big aha is that two weeks in on a scale that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I could do 14 days ago. Now I'm imagining my world as it being the primary source of income. Um, so that's really the story is that ship 30. Incredible. And All day. Incredible story, Eli. Uh, so you say as your primary income, that, that intrigues me. Where is this ship sailing? Tell me more. This ghostwriting, <laughs> copywriting, what is, what do the uh, next few steps look like for you? The next few steps, next few steps is double down. Uh, I'm doubling down on uh, courses. Not, I would say courses on education. Mm. Um, I've kind of been stacking education up to this point. Like I, I took a, a couple of courses last year that helped me get ramped up with my grammar, just so I had a little bit of understanding, um, more that I, more that I already have. And then I went right into Ship Thirty, just make supplying, applying, applying, applying it. And mm -hmm. now that I have the confidence to do uh, a little bit of daily writing, I'm looking for courses that are going to challenge um, me intellectually as well as uh, the framework on putting sales letters together. So my next step is to get into a course that really puts the 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 focus on how to put together a full sales letter in a sales funnel. And I want to write. I want to. Uh, I want to get to the point where I'm pumping out those types of of of, of con that kind of type of content as as closely as I could with Ship Thirty. So if it's one a week, one every two weeks, one every six weeks. I don't know how much how long it's going to take to do sales letters. I've heard many different <laughs> renditions. I've heard it takes twelve weeks to do so, or three months, you know, up to three months. But I've also heard of stories where people are pumping them out like twelve a month. So. I'm going to try to get to a point where I get as many reps and uh, amount of feedback as I could. So that's who as close. Needs, who needs sales letters when you're like, who would you be writing for? Uh, are you, are you asking like, what's my niche or is it just in general, who needs sales? sales in general, like I, I, this is like, mm. these careers are not really talked about. You know, I, I, sure. never, I went to business school and I never like, I didn't even know what a copywriter was until last year after I graduated. And it was like, I didn't know. I didn't know either. <laughs> um, sales letters. Uh, I've met, I, I, I've come across plenty of sales letters, but I've always been like, ew, I would never fall for that, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but from what I understand, uh, mostly things that aren't mass market, right? First of all, it's things that aren't mass market. So if you, if it's mass market, you don't need a sales letter. You can go get this at Lowe's or wherever wherever you want at a store. But uh, I would also say that uh, generally you're looking at things that. Uh, maybe that they have some intangibles, um, courses, uh, digital products, um, coaching, um, a lot, a lot of the things that people are blowing up now trying to sell, 
because the internet's made it so available. So you're gonna have, um, you know, stock advice, um, medications, uh, all types of things that are probably less available mm. around the corner. Got you it. Know, something Got that, it. that needs a little bit of a process. Yeah, and somewhere you can target people for it. Definitely. Yeah, you're like definitely. Okay, that yeah, it's a cool option. That that could be fun. Yeah, for me, it's the it, I, I'm a big persuasion geek, so it's probably the most in depth persuasion persuasion based uh, writing that I know of that has consistent feedback. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably as deep as you can get. So for me, learning that process, I feel I feel like you should be able to apply some of those skills along the way in other avenues. Uh, but I, I just geek out with the process of going from, because you know what, I should say it this way. Um, sales letters generally take place when someone has to go from unaware to aware. So the more unaware someone is, the longer the sales letter probably will be. Mm. So if I'm if I'm giving you like a breakthrough medication or a breakthrough product or something that you have no idea, you're gonna need time to, to kind of understand where the world is, why this fits in, um, what it does for you and then bring you around that corner. If you already know most of that information, there's no need for a sales letter. When you talk about the applicability, one thing that, that gets me really hyped up on this is, you know, this idea of like, enter the conversation in your prospect's mind, like the conversation mm. you're already having. And, and like the way Dickie described Craig's framework on, on Twitter, you know, describe their problem the way they would describe it, show them you understand, I think, I mean, these skills are so fundamental. Like that's, that's, what, that's the difference between a, an infant and a, and a person. A person can start understanding. Oh, he probably feels that when I do that. I'll do right. this because I want him to. Like, it's so fundamental. And to double down on that skill set, I think is an incredible game to play. Like that's- I heard, a, I heard a quote that, that, that I'm going to tack on to that because he, he, he basically said this and then followed up with, I don't do that anymore. Um, this is a guy named Chris Hadid, right? He says, I don't do that anymore. I think of it as enter the, enter the war they're already having within their hearts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, think of all the times when you were battling with a decision, mm. right? Like frustrated, you can't figure out which way, which way to go. Mm. And if someone was talking about that, like all the different tones of voice that you had, like, you know, you're rationalizing and it makes sense. You want to go left. You should be going left, but that's not what you're, that's not what you're going to do. It's not what you want to do. And it's like, you hear what they're saying to you in your mind. It's a whole new connection that you have with both the product and the, the copy. Like you almost, you almost bleed away and it's voicing your insides. And that's the part that I I'm listening to him and I'm like, okay, <sighs> these things really apply across the board because I, now I can kind of look at someone and understand, and that's, this, this is part of the reason why I got in copy was that I had a, I had a difficult time understanding people like at a real, real difficult time understanding where they came from 
on an emotional basis. Logically, totally understand. Um, if it was in a sales interaction, could totally understand. But outside of sales, there's so many variables that happened that I was lost. And I studied to study, I started studying uh, human nature and essentially psychology. And it rounded out with uh, reading a book called uh, Take Their Money um, by a guy named Kyle Milligan. And one, one of his big monikers was, um, was uh, it's not about what you say, uh, it's about what you communicate. And I've heard this in variations before. I've heard this, it's not what you say, it's what they hear, right? But what he's talking about is subtext. He's talking about the words you use don't matter. It's what those words that you did use portray to the other person's mind. Right. So if you're saying X and they're feeling these emotions, that's what matters is these emotions underneath. And I had no idea that these things existed or that people were using these as almost like piano keys to play. So whenever you're reading copy, it looks like simple language, but they're playing a certain song to you underneath. And that was the part that like, just ding, 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 ding. My, like my, my spidey sense was like, you gotta learn this. Like, you gotta stop right here, pay attention, you know? 100%. It's just, it's an absolutely incredible skill set, And I, I can't believe it's not more talked about. Um, I think it's, I think it's ramping up though. Right. I think, I feel like it's, it's, it's five years ago, people weren't like, I'm going to be a copywriter. Like people were already doing it, but it wasn't like a, I don't feel like, I, maybe I, I don't, I don't. I'm late to the game. I, I just graduated college, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm thinking five years ago, there wasn't like Twitter channels devoted to like, copywriters unite you know I, I i feel like it's kind of exploded over the yeah. last five years even though i'm a newbie here uh it wasn't something that i've ever really heard talked about the opportunities have also exploded like you said whether it's email whether it's uh, social channels like whether it's writing a good youtube video the principles that you learn in copywriting right. will help you with all of that stuff and and that's why i said okay well i want to double down on the foundation let's build a mansion on like I, <laughs> I love it yeah yeah I, i'm the same way now it's like ah these fun these fundamental skills apply across had i known these skills while i was while i was in the middle of of, of selling as much as i was i would have been a totally different person like i was mm -hmm. i was successful but there are so many things i left on the table that i just, I just didn't see i didn't understand yeah, and awesome. this is the kind of thing that kind of it just kind of <laughs> spreads those things out and you kind of get to the core of what people feel you know yeah well, i want to give you a sort of realization i had this morning actually mm. it's it's very similar to what you just said and I, I know you understand this but for me i'm i'm just coming around to it it's that people don't buy things they buy effects they buy outcomes like for example sure. yes we don't buy coffee they buy energy they buy alertness so if you're trying to sell coffee you want to speak to that. You want to describe how my coffee will make you alert. You know, my coffee will, will make you feel energy because that's what people want. And I, I thought of another example, but it's just like, okay, that, that's it. Like, and then playing this game, what do people want? Trying to figure out, let me get them what they want. It's beautiful. It's fun. And um, it's lucrative. Well, you, well, I'm trying to think how I'm going to riff off of this. Uh, so the character that that speaks this language is that uh, if you ever watch have you ever you ever watched uh i'm drawing a blank now um dragons and 
Oh my gosh. All right, let me get to the character, Tyrion. Tyrion from, I keep wanting to say Lord of the Rings. I cannot believe I'm blanking on this major show, but apparently you haven't watched it. No. No? Oh my goodness. Um, no worries, no worries. Jon Snow. Uh, somebody watched oh, this. Game of Thrones. Yeah, there you go, Game of Thrones. If you go back and you listen to the way Tyrion speaks in that, that entire show, every time you speak, to, every time he opens his mouth, he's speaking to what someone else wants. And it's really, it's, he's written really well, but he is literally the best marketer. He's never pitching himself. He's always pitching what this does for you because this is what you want. And that's the thing that kind of triggered me about, and our trigger is probably the wrong word. It just, that's the, 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 the tie-in that I saw with copywriting. Yeah, and one of the but, things that really attracts me to copywriter types is that they accept the self-interested nature of human nature uh, right. They don't try to pretend like it's not there. And they say, that's what it is. Okay, I'll play the game that way. And the, right. like, I like being around people who just say, okay, that's the way it is. Let's play with reality. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very, it's almost like honesty, right? Like it's very open. Like, okay, what do you really want? Ah, you don't even know this. You really <laughs> want, you want, you want acceptance. So, hey, I accept you, you know, and they'll play, they'll play that game. Um, this is what I was going to say. Uh, coffee versus energy in sales we used to have the saying old school i'm probably dating myself don't sell the steak sell the sizzle right mm. and it didn't make any sense to me uh don't sell the steak sell the sizzle the sizzle's great and all but it's not the sizzle right it's like the it's the it's the tingly feeling in your face like as you as like the as the the, the steak melts all right away right like it's you don't even have to chew it anymore you want you want to have that that deliciousness already in you as opposed to the smell and the the anticipation right that gets your attention that's not what people really want so that's the as i learn more about copy i'm realizing how many things it helps if someone that's in a position of persuasion or selling selling if they have this background everything else is stronger because you're really you're really learning about what people want on a fundamental level across all planes without the use of like the nonverbal communication that I can use when I'm looking you in the eye and kind of winking at you. All that's, it's good. But if I know how most people work, then it's really easy for me to start tailoring a message to, to you specifically. Cause I already have 80% of you like knocked out. Right. So that's, that's the big takeaway that I'm realizing is like, Oh, I wish, I wish I knew this when I was training salespeople is that you need to be reading copy. <laughs> like you need to be reading copywriting books because they're talking about what you want to know. And they're not doing it through all these questions and answers. Like you're going to have a good platform before you even start asking questions. If you study some copy. Yeah. And another thing is it's a great equalizer, you know, like uh, you put it on paper, like people have biases, people like people who are more attractive, people like taller people, whatever. Right. And, but copy is copy is words. And yep. so it's, it's like, it's a, to me, it's a fairer game, whatever about fairness, but like, it's, I like that aspect too. Well, and you start looking, I'm talking about fairness. You also look like, as you learn about copy, you start realizing like, these are all, these all work on you too. Like these mm. all, these things, this is a mirror that we're looking at, you know? Mm. So <laughs> you're not immune to these things. And it's, it, it's good and it's bad because you can see when it's happening to you. Like, ah, uh, 
I want to push this button. <laughs> like whatever they're doing, it's working because I know going in there's going to be a pitch, and I want to push this button. But it also like you realize how similar we all are, um, and how how shiny things really do. They work. New shiny. What do you think? Uh, so now you've been studying copy, writing thirty days sales professional what are like the biggest psychological hot buttons that you've noticed mm. <laughs> biggest psychological hot buttons like new um new is like uh, fundamental like novelty. Uh, do i like novelty new yeah like i knew the word new was powerful but i didn't know why it was you know i didn't know why? exactly well the know. main reason why new is so powerful is because new equals change so yes we're looking for the transformation but on a fundamental level when you are coming home from the from the the wild hunt you know and you got this like stack of things on this 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 new rack of lamb on your back and the path looks the same but there's a rustle in the background new means there's trouble right like new means you got to pay attention that might be is that a growl is that whatever it, it you're programmed to like pay attention to change in your right. environment so it, it keeps it kept us alive right so it's not about just like new oh new is nice it means like new means you should pay attention this is either an opportunity for us to get new food or an opportunity for us to die so it becomes mm -hmm. a very life or death thing and flashing lights uh these things that break your pattern they're way more powerful than just being attention grabbers because they they tie into like things that kept us surviving and obviously if we're the ones here those things are grained in us because we were the ones that survived so it, it should be much more powerful than the ones that that, that died off I'm, maybe i'm riffing too much but that's no, like, my totally, like i i totally agree this evolutionary psychology background is so helpful so fundamental and so often ignored so this is why like boring is so critically bad uh, i i didn't realize that if you bore someone I mean, yes, I, it, it makes sense. Like if you, if you're boring, no one's going to pay attention, but boring is like camouflage for you. Like you are considered dead. Uh, if, if you're trying to do something out in the world, so new gets like straight through the crock brain and into like that. What does this mean for me? Like once you start asking questions and diving into and using that, their, their top level thinking you've bypassed like the, the, the nature's filter of should I pay attention to this thing? And that's the part wow. where like, I realized that mattered before. I thought that was just like, oh, we should just butter it up with something that they haven't seen before. Like, no, no, no. You're trying to, you're trying to get through like, like behavior, uh, which is way deeper than just buffing it up with like this nice shiny outside, you know? Have you read Pitch Anything? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Revisit that. He yeah, yeah. The rock brain, like you can essentially bypass their their frontal thinking brain by. Yeah, can you double down? I'm gonna riff. I'm gonna riff off this. So yeah. here's the here's the the other part of this. So when you go back and you watch, when you go back and you read that, he talks about the crock brain, the mammalian brain, and the neocortex, right? So the crock brain is really where a lot of the primal processing happens. Whether or not something's good, uh, not good. Excuse me, new. Uh, is it safe? Um, uh, do I want to <laughs> do I want to eat it, kill it, or mate with it? 
uh, it's, it's those guttural things that like, it's one of those things where it happens in an instant, you know, right? Yeah, Either, you know, and yeah, there's no choice. This is the way it is. The next level you're going to have is the mammalian brain. So you have the emotional side, the emotional connection and the social, uh, the social navigator. So this is really where you're going to see status come into play. This is a cop. So do I, what's the frame of, what's the frame that's happening here? He's obviously in a position of power. That's the, that's the mammalian brain kicking in. And it's part of the reason why credibility is so incredibly powerful is because again, you're not processing this. This is the, how your mm. brain kicks into credibility as in a sense of safety. So safety, credibility, these things are coming in without you formally thinking about it. Then you have the top layer, which is the decision-making and the processing. But if you take those, if you think of that as like a pyramid, right? And then you overlay the, that structure with, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you have the base layer of like food, water, shelter. And then you keep going up those levels of like social acceptance. And then you have the top layer of actualization. They really fall in line with how the mind processes information. So your base level, food, water, are we gonna are, are we in a place that's gonna, you know, you know, fall off the face of the earth? That's like your 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 crop brain, like processing, like this isn't safe. We shouldn't be standing here. This is the edge of a cliff. We need to move. Right. Like you don't have to think that. Like, like your body says, the closer you get to a, the closer you get to a cliff, the more your body's gonna get apprehensive. And it's something that you can just turn off. But that's the you can the turn off. Do what? You can turn off or can't turn off. Oh, I don't think you I mean I think you can turn it off like through uh through like cognitive behavior and you have uh what's that CBT where you like yes. you right. like we just like out of yourself, but like just you and I, we're walking down the street and then we decide we're gonna walk to a cliff. Your your body's gonna change the closer we get to that edge. It's gonna get tighter and tighter and tighter. Like the moment you get to like two feet, things get real real, you know, like get real tight. But if you compare the mammalian brain to the social acceptance area, and then you keep going up, you're gonna notice there's a, they map each other. And so you being able to speak to those different levels kind of gives you some, not some sway, but like a real advantage when you know what part people are working within. So for example, someone's, someone's dealing with like no place to live, or they don't know where their food's going to come from, your conversation needs to be speaking to that. It, you don't need to be trying to sell them some kind of like, not that you should be selling them anything, but my point is you, you don't need to be worried about like, you know, you can't be selling them like a Ferrari or, a, or some nice designer jeans. Like they don't care about that stuff. They're worried about like food. They're worried about water. They're worried about other different things. And so there's a, there's a map that you kind of can see how those things Match or bridge together. Does that make sense? I probably put on a It makes sense also that, that most people are somewhere above food near like the social. Um, sure. And then above that, what comes after that? Well, I, I think actually the point is that what's above that is like the least important, right? Like, right. So you need to, you really need to be able to master oh. the lower levels because something just clicked. So something yeah. just clicked. Joe Sugarman calls it justifying the purchase, right? Why do you buy the sure. Mercedes? Because it looks fucking cool. Because right. what people talk about, that's that mammalian brain. But you let the neocortex say, oh, it's for the rack and pin steering. It's for the 800 horsepower. So it's, 
when you're justifying the purchase, you're talking to the neocortex. When you're talking to their real desires, you're talking to the mammalian brain. Would that be, is that right? I would say, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where you can, mm. you, the, 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 I think it's strong. I think it's stronger the more you can tie it down to a lower level. I think the lower level, the lower you go, the less control they have, right? Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. the lower, the lower like it's more automatic, thing. it's less thought yeah. out, it's, it's more but, important. So if, I'm if I'm talking to you about, um, about buying solar panels, right? We're talking about buying solar panels for your house. That is probably somewhere between social acceptance and actualization going up. And I know we're skipping levels, right? Wait, wait. Russia invading Ukraine in Germany now, that could be something about safety, just shelter. Like you could sell that as shelter. That's what I'm like. The more you can dive, the more you can tie these things down lower on that level to where this now becomes something that you're doing for the next level down. I wow. think it becomes easier for you to lock it in because actualization is that that is that processing brains, that logical side of ourselves. But if you're buying this because it ties to safety, because it ties to um, how how your family is perceived by the by the not because not like how you are, but how your family is perceived and treated by the people that are around you, you're much more likely to buy this or do this thing if it's going to make your family safer than you are if it's going to save you a couple bucks every month. Yeah, you know? you're really making a lot of things click for me right now. I I, I understood like you speak to their desires, but now I'm really oh okay like there are certain desires and this is why this is why it gets underneath. Well, I, I think the, the, the Maslow kind of shows like, if you look at it like this, this is the, this is the least powerful or the least. The things at the top. Yeah. Like actualization. What I'm saying, I don't mean least powerful in terms of like reaching it, but I mean, as in like motivation, because most people aren't going to be at actualization. Hmm. Most people aren't like, they're not going to just be running around making decisions based on that. <laughs> but everybody decisions on on whether or not they're safe they can provide food yeah if they're able to get their basic needs met and then also obviously for social acceptance whether or not we want to admit it or not like those are much more guttural things we're going to just apply the apply our decision making to without even considering it you know so that's the that's where copy kind of like was like oh that's these cool. are where what they mean when they talk about desires it's not so much like what I want. It's almost like what I'm compelled to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the things that like we don't even think about going against. When I tie it to that, that's when my product becomes like the, the cure. It becomes the, it becomes the reason why you should do the thing. That's really beautiful. Where your idea, like this, these skill sets are right. not, like you said, a politician giving a speech, like these are really powerful skills and it's cool stuff. I, I just want to go on a, a bit of a tangent. You, you made me think of something. That wasn't a tangent? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. With the CBT uh, and these, these primal desires and when you go up to a cliff, you start to tense up. Um, it made me think of ice baths and okay, why are ice baths so powerful? It's because you're overriding that part of the brain. You're training it to say, right. oh, like, I, my neocortex knows, and this is okay. I'm going to do this. It's going to be fine. And just doing that step by step by step, you gain so much power over yourself. You, you yes. start to overcome 
that. And then I guess the next step would be learning how to overcome status, learning how to stop playing status games. Because, right, Naval talks about it. You want to play wealth games. You don't, there's two games people play, status games or wealth games. Wealth games are cool because they're positive sum. Status games are not cool because they're zero sum. To become number one, number two has to, to become number two, number two has to go down, right? Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm so impressed. Like, like the, I, I've, I've listened to that so many times, but I'm like, the clarity that you have it down is it's impressive. Yeah, I, that just clicked for me too. Like, okay, so now I got to figure out a way to, to I've been working on that, to, but to overcome status, you know what I mean? Because it's, it is, it pulls us all down. And if everybody stopped playing status games, we'd be in a much better spot. Well, you know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I wonder. Um, wonder. Wonders. We are. We're we're a social we're a social animal. So I wonder if status is one of those things that has kept us alive. Mm. Uh, because at some point, the reason why we did things was because someone smarter, quote unquote, right told us to not do this thing or we we followed we followed the right guy right that, that's so i'm i'm wondering like where okay where that is was part of the reason why some of us survived and then why it's so detrimental now because i do agree i think status has a lot of negative connotations but before if <laughs> we were such so reliant on the so like before social was social I think it was a means to control our actions for safety. Yeah, I think it's very different when you're living in a 150-person tribe. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, when you get to a, like a, a four billion, yeah. four-person tribe that are all like, yeah, that's like totally different, and that's not even like everybody that's available. So it becomes a very different type of situation then, you know. Yeah, I've also heard Naval say it's probably a necessary evil, you know, like politics is an example. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I was thinking is how because if you didn't if you didn't play a status game, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't obey the law. Like there's certain things that you wouldn't obey as 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 vehemently as you would now. Red lights wouldn't freak you out. And if Naval didn't have this status, we all wouldn't know that, oh, he kind of has some good advice. Like he's a smart guy. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pay attention. Yeah. So that, that's like, that's the conundrum I have is I, I don't want, I want to break through the status game, but like, I feel like that in and of itself means I'm trying to get to a, a selfish, I want to break it because I don't want to be a part of it. But I feel like if we, nobody had it, if nobody had it, <laughs> I don't know how much we would get done. Yeah. Maybe that would be a bit of anarchy. It, it comes back to sort of like this format again, like with no format, it's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, like where we, so I want to break it. Do I want everybody else to break it at the same time? No, <laughs> that's, that's my, and that's me realizing I'm, I'm totally playing the game for like my benefit. Um, but I agree. I think the goal is to, is to break a certain amount of it, um, especially, especially when you know that part of the reasons why you make your decision is because you're in a certain social status. Like that's why I want to break it. So I, I probably would do a lot more, many more things if I wasn't so shackled mm -hmm. by where I am in the social hierarchy of things. I mean, that's so true. And I have this with LinkedIn, like LinkedIn is, 
a very status-oriented ecosystem. And I felt very scared to post on LinkedIn, whereas Twitter is, Twitter is bombs away. And mm-hmm. I had no fear to post on, on Twitter, but um, I think maybe I did actually, I did kind of learn how to, but you know, in the end, if my strategy does work out, I will have high status because it'll be like, oh, you were a smart entrepreneur. But that's, I think it was overcoming the status aspect, at least in the short term, because there's definitely some people who think like, I'm phony, what is he doing? Mm. Yeah. No, is, is that, is that, tr- is that a, a, do you have, do you have, for that claim, do you have proof or is that just an assumption? Okay, that's an assumption, definitely was too. Okay, okay, so I, I, I'm gonna tell you from like my perspective, you don't seem phony. Like, and I, and I don't mean like conversing with you, I mean like when I, when I read, when I read what you write, mm. it doesn't come across as phony. Thanks, um, man. And then, and then obviously like through, like hearing you speak, like it's a confirmation. Like you definitely have a very genuine feel to yourself. So I, I, I was just wondering if that was uh, something that you picked up from interactions, or if that was something that you were just assuming. Because well, it's maybe it's just a fear. <laughs> what? Maybe it's just a fear. Yeah, you might be just sort of like externalizing some uh, yeah. some worries and some fears. I'll I'll tell you right now. You're you're one of you're one of the most um, down to earth and cordial individuals I've I've ever come across. So, not a, not a problem. And I'm not really that nice. Like I don't just man. tell people like nice things. Uh, you, you are you are extremely cordial. Uh, so yeah, man. Thank you, Eli. Wipe that off the wipe that off the the worry board. Yeah, yeah. So just keep posting away. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, and and you you've got a lot of you've got a lot of. creative angles to look at things uh i can see i can see all the di- i can see all the different avenues you're pulling from and how you bring them together so that's the part that i like is that i One see thing, two things on that go for it go for it one is it started with journaling 100 it started because i started journaling and that mm. that changed everything for me because journaling allowed me to slow down my thoughts and calm down and i, I journal every night before i go to bed and that has been one of the things that has most changed my life journaling. And the second thing is something we both have in common is I started reading a fuck ton of books like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden you just, you start and things start connecting and you have more yeah. places to pull from. And that's like what Naval said. He says, just start reading and, yeah. like, and trust the process, play the long game. And it's like, okay, okay, I'm going to try this. And uh, so, yeah. I'm going to go off two, two things there. Um, one, I think if it changed your life that much, I'm very curious because I'm hearing this echoed over and over again. I've tried journaling. I, I, I catch myself saying it. I almost said I sucked at it. I didn't. <laughs> and I hate, I, I don't, I don't like this language. So I'm, I'm catching myself when I say it. Mm-hmm. I tried, I had a difficult time uh, finding the avenue that gave me the breakthrough. So I would love it if you would write or help instruct some of us that are still trying to get over that hump uh, that, or open that door that you, that you found your way through. Two, um, the reading. One thing I will say is that reading a ton of books is great. It's awesome. But I would also say you probably need to start reading, not, not you, I'm talking about in general for anyone that happens to be reading this. Start reading books above your means, like books that stretch you to understand because you start getting messages 
all, all these all these books that we, that, that are available today are great and they're nice, but the lot most of them are echoing messages that have been said by better men in better ways long before. And it's when you start hearing some of these messages that that like these guys were saying back then and that they weren't even in contact with each other and like you're hearing like these tidbits that connect it's just like wow these it's almost like it's almost like you're reading like a secret doctrine that like people have just passed along and you're like uncovering it it's like these invisible road signs that say look here look here and you're just like oh wow so i would say reading deeply is great reading widely is great but read hard books and read a lot of them um, for me it started with candide and from candide on i was just like uh i gotta read i gotta read a lot of stuff <laughs> so yeah read read hard books it's like them. a record of elevated human consciousness and like yes. you said you, you'll you'll read confucius you'll read the stoics i haven't read confucius well, I have a bit, but, and then you, you like, oh shit. Okay. He's saying this a little bit different than him, but I, I see it. Yeah. And, and like you said, like the subtle art of not giving a fuck, that is stoicism. Jordan yes. Peterson's core message is stoicism. Take responsibility for your life. Like, you know, change, fix the things you can fix, clean up your room. This is stoicism. And <laughs> all the, the modern bestsellers are, like you said, they're not saying it as well though. And like, there's so much power in going back to the it's also not original because people were telling these stories probably before, but it, I totally agree with you there. That's, that's something I want to do better this year, actually, is like picking out hard classics to learn from. I did it so much, but I was doing it so much more frequently before the middle of last year. Uh, once I started getting into writing, oddly enough, probably when I started, should have read more of it. Um, it took a little bit more brain power for me to process what was going on and apply. So I stopped reading those books. Uh, but things like, you know, um, uh, the Iliad, um, mm. things like, uh, uh, what's the, what I'm thinking of the play Dante, Dante, not Dante's Inferno, but about Dante. Um, is it the divine tragedy or is it the, the com I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Paradise Lost. Yeah. Uh, there you go. What was that? Inferno. The Inferno. Yes. Uh, so I read. I read the Inferno, and it blew my mind. Like, <laughs> I would wake up in the morning at like six thirty, and I'd be reading this for an hour, and I would only make it like four or five pages. Like four, yeah, four or five pages, because I didn't. You have to like. You have to. Like, you have to work with this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm raising my hand. You have to work this stuff out in your mind. Like you don't you have to understand what he's talking about. And I don't mean reading like you get through it. I mean, you need to read it so that you can begin to understand what he's trying to convey to you. And that's the part that got me was I was so used to getting, I did speed reading when I was in mm. eighth, ninth grade. And I went from reading like 250 words per minute and I got all the way up to like, like 960 or something. I was like, I was pushing it, man. I was like flowing through books. And that became part of like my, my, my strength, my gift. And I was so used to reading fiction that like I could have like the picture in my mind forming as I was flying through the words. So fiction got me even faster. Then you get to like these great works and you're like, what are they talking about? Like, what does this mean? Yeah. You're talking about nine headed 
sphinx that rose from the like, what is going on here um but he's talking about so many different aspects of like the human experience yes. and like jordan jordan peterson said the, the said it the best way he was like you want to read these books not to just read these books but ultimately because these books are about you and that was the part that like it didn't hit me until i was into like my third or fourth third or fourth one is that this is the way people were taught way back when is they would they would teach each other teach each other through literature and through story so yes read great books it's change your life <laughs> like completely change the way you see the world yeah and um, there's, but I, yeah, there's something about looking is this is you like it's universal humans are humans yes yeah well and that's we all think we're different like we all think we're the, we're the special we're the special one right and, and it's like everything that you've ever felt someone else has felt this thing and more than likely they've put it into words so that you can now not be experiencing this thing for the first time alone you can have a record and understand that this is something that everyone faces and it's yes yeah, it's, it's about you so i can't stress it enough read books <laughs> do you have a and this is a tough question but do you have a favorite book a favorite hard book it's terrible that's so long I'll, you know what? I take that back. I don't have. It's not a hard book. It's a hard book because of like, it's a hard book because it takes a while to get through, and wow. it's only good to me because I'm who I am, and someone gave it to me. And the way the story that it came to me, and uh, I, I was given this book as a as a uh, uh, a graduation present in um, 2000 when I was graduating from high school, and it's this thick book called Musashi by Edgy. I'm gonna butcher the last name. I'm not even gonna say the last name. Um, it's a book called Mu uh, Musashi. How do you spell it? Musashi. M U S A S H I. Musashi. Did I say that right? Close enough. Something around those. And his name Edgy E I J I. Somewhere, somewhere around there. Is it Japanese? Uh, yes. Oh. Now Musashi Miyamoto is a real guy, right? He wrote oh. Five Rings. So yeah. So, it's it's don't get confused it's about him but it's a fictional telling about him right ah bro this book is it's thick dude it's like i don't have i don't i don't have it around with me it's thick it's like it's i want to say it's about seven books in one right so imagine seven books of like 300 words or 300 300 pages right per it's, it's a big book but I carried it around for so long, looking at it like, oh, this is so, this is so much of when it started. And it took me like 10 years to like crack it open. From the day I cracked it open to the day I finished, it was like, it took me about two months maybe to finish it. Because I was just inhaling every single moment. And the story takes you through, obviously a fictional telling of Miyamoto from... I would say 16 all the way up to age of 50 and you live this you live his life man like it's, it's but the crazy thing is as you're reading this you're realizing or i don't know if you i don't know if you watch anime i, I watch anime so props to you guys whoever watches anime all of the cool moments from every single anime that you've ever seen came from probably a book but for me it came from this book like any moment that you saw that like wow the, okay yeah. so imagine okay the moment they're running on the sand and all this and all you hear is like the pitter patter of the sands like 
popping up as the as the leaves fall down. It was like, and then the clash. Like that happens in this book. Um, then you have the moment where they're they're hanging out in the um, uh, the the bath, right? The 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 bath area where the shades are covered outside, and all of the ninja or whoever else is creeping from outside while they're hanging out, like someone's being seduced, and then the fight breaks out, and they all clap. Like, all these moments that you that you see in these in these tropes come from like this or these books, which were written in like. I don't know, like 14, 1500s, much better. Like he, so good. So if you ever, if you ever, if you ever start, you have enough time to get through it. I would tell you, read that book. And I'm going to read it again because when I first read it, I was, I was relatively younger. So there's a point when you, when you meet, when you, there's a point in the book where he's your age. And then he moved past your age and he becomes a man. And like the conversation that he's having about himself and what he's learning matches the time frames that you're at that age. Mm. So it's I'm interested to go back and read it again and recognize that now, 10, 10 years later or however many years later, the story is going to feel different because I'll be looking at it like more like a man watching a man become a a man, a boy watching him a, a watching a, a man watching a boy become a man. Whereas before I was a boy reading about a boy becoming a man. It's just a different, it's a different yeah. angle. And you begin to see things like now I have more experiences like the person he became than I did as the person that he began as. And it's just that, yeah. So that's like my, my deepest, and it wasn't really hard. It's just consistency. You have to be consistent with that book because it takes yeah. so long to get through. I mean, what you, what you touched on at the end, this feeling of returning to a great book at a different point in your life and getting something new, that's also... Yeah, and for me, that's been Harry Potter. I know that's a bit, that's not on the same level, but I know what you mean, and I'm curious to to jump in on that for one time. It's I've done it a couple times in some books. Yeah, it's it's richer the the more you do it. The first time it's cool, you kind of see some shifts. The second time, <laughs> you feel it. You're like, <laughs> I yeah. was so like this. This is the part that got me last time. Like, this is the part that was like, oh, wow. But now I recognize there's more value in what he said afterwards or the lesson that I should have took away from that. Instead of like, instead of the, how brash he was when he came in the store, I should have recognized that he didn't have a plan. Like, <laughs> you know what, actually, this, this also makes me think of there's, um, I don't know if I'll cut this, but I was in the Netherlands where you're allowed to take psilocybin, uh, sure. magic mushrooms. And it taught me that there is a difference between knowing and understanding, right? Ooh. And I realized, Ooh. like, you know, like exactly what you said. It, it, it just, it's a feeling. Like this morning, I woke up and I felt, okay, I understand you're selling the feeling, not coffee. I knew that. I had heard that many times. I had read that yeah. in many copy books. But I, understanding is, to me, more emotional, deeper down. And it takes a while to get there, I think. I think understanding happens when you can take an idea or a thing and rotate it around and, uh, and turn it upside down and begin to describe it from all angles, as opposed to just giving the description of it. Like, you know, some, you know something, I can tell you about it. But if I understand it, I can pull this apart. I can rotate this one over. I can invert it. I can 
I can talk about it in relation to something else. Like there's so much more dexterity in about how this, this thing works in your mind. And that's, and I agree, it's not something that you can, or at least I haven't gotten to the point where I can. Uh, it's, it's anything other than rote memorization. <laughs> <That's> the... yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and, and I'm wondering, I'm, 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 I wonder, maybe you can, you can speak to this. What is this phenomenon with writing copy? I mean, writing as in physically writing copy. Have you, have you tried this yet? And, oh yeah, I do it every day. And, Not every day, like five days a week. So I, I do it every day, right? I, I wake up every morning and I write and I handwrite it. And it's like, I didn't buy into it the first time, right? I didn't, I didn't, I did it for a little while. I filled up like one notebook and I was like, ah, oh, I don't get it. But I also feel like part of the reason why I didn't get it was I didn't understand language. I didn't understand writing and, and grammar. So I didn't know what to look for, right? It's something now, like journaling. Like, so is that, is that considered rote memorization? Would you consider that rote? It's different. Yeah. It's, it's the reason I think that copying by hand is better than just reading it. You could read it and not get the same effect. Is It's like enough of an exercise that you're aware. I, I can't. You see, this is, I don't know if I can really explain this if I truly understand it. I don't truly understand it, but I know it works. And it's like, you're, you're aware, but you have this, using your hand, it lets you kind of shut off your neocortex, a little, uh, shut off your neocortex enough. This is why I love journaling. It's so meditative for me because it's like, I, it's, it's enough of an activity that it requires a little bit of brain power that you can still be it's like a different kind of focus than if you're just sitting there not doing anything. Mm. Mm, okay. I guess it's, it's, it's akin to what people would call muscle memory because it's like you're ingraining it, but I, muscle memories, I'm not going to. I think that's a that. different aspect of it. I think, I think we're, we're coming at it from two different angles. Okay. Well, well, one thing's for sure. It's a good strategy. If you're listening to this, definitely try and you want to learn copy of one of the, Best things I've done, Eli says the same, is hand copying, great copy, because... I woke up this morning, and the, 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 what I hand copied last night was replaying my mind. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's, the beautiful thing is it was David Ogilvy. So, like, for me to wake up and, and, be, and be repeating that, it, it just was just like, oh, this is what I've been thinking about all night. Uh, and it's just these small little tidbits where I'm like, I, I hope that's what begins to flesh itself out in my voice is is the punchiness will, the direct but that's what i woke up like uh uh that's the last thing i did last night so before i go to bed i i, I usually spend an hour handwriting copy um, same day <laughs> in the amazing man i love your dedication that's really impressive <laughs> i'm like i want i want this i want it so bad and you'll get it because you're you're doing it and and that that's what one of the things I got from learning languages is like, I know, okay, if I do this, if I'm serious about this, I can get the outcome I want. And, I, and that's why like, I'm so at ease on this journey. I'm like, I'm not cash flowing at all right now, but it's like, I'm good. I know where I'm headed. I know my focus is there. I want this and good things come. You know what I mean? Just put in the time. Yeah, I love it. How, how old are you? Uh, 22. 22. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I don't even remember being 22, man. I was like all over the place. 
uh, I was all over the place. So I, I commend you for having uh, this amount of focus. I, I probably was this focus about something, right. but it wasn't about life. Like it, mine was more about like something super, super niche down. The, I, I, I already know what it was. So it was definitely dancing and, and chicks. Um, That's also good. But, but yeah, but what I mean is like, but your, your dedication to the thing that's gonna it's gonna expand out the rest of your of, of your of your abilities very cool very cool at this age and i keep going like keep doubling down that's all i can say that's where we're headed yeah yeah because I mean, i'm like yo i'm almost double your age now bro you're I'm still not- so young i read somewhere david ogilvy didn't start writing copy until his 30s or something <laughs> is that on my page did you read that on my page uh yeah, dude, like, I, uh... Seriously, I, like, he's so, like... I'll be 40, 41 this year, 41 this year. Congrats. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's just funny because I was just you, which is which is what you're going to realize, is that very soon you'll be sitting on an interview, like, uh, a podcast with some... And I say some kid, like, not... It's not I some do. kid. But, like, you're going to feel like it's just, like, one moment where you're like, wait, I used to be the youngest one in the room. I used to be... Uh, so weird that it happens to all of us so just remember this moment will be- i will and i think the the what was really lucky for me was that i got exposed to stoicism and stoicism mm-hmm. one of the foundational ideas in there is consider death you will die oh, yeah yeah however you spend your time is how you spend your time but know that you will die and think about it and when you come to parkinson's law right the the task will fill to fit the time if you're if you never think about death, then you have all day. But then when you say, yeah. oh, "I'm gonna die," how do I want to spend my time? Let me think about that. I didn't ever, I didn't ever consider death, bro. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't death no one does. <laughs> well, it was like mid, like no early thirties, early thirties when I was I started realizing it. Oh, um, I had a couple friends that 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 didn't make it past thirty. And re- I realized, like, oh. oh, I didn't realize that we were we had the Superman. Con- complex like it didn't it didn't hit me that we never considered this before um so yeah i like i said i commend you for for that awareness it's a lot it of luck a, i just got longer. i just got into good ideas on the internet like straight up luck i just youtube algorithms started pushing me <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you're being you're being modest no you're it's modest. really it's really so much luck actually that i deleted instagram and then all of a sudden i'm spending my time on youtube and that's like this idea of the content you consume determines the quality of your life. It's, it's never been truer. And yeah. it, like Jack Butcher has a really good visual of social media, one exponential up, one exponential down. You know, it's like, yeah. And it, so it, I, I left, I, I, I embraced that like completely in 2016, 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. 2017. I quit all social media. I just dropped right. out of everything. I was like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm good. And I, my productivity went through the roof. <laughs> uh, the only reason why that we are having this conversation is because uh, I was researching, well, copywriting, and um, to get to copywriting, I had to get through daily daily habit, and that took me through Ship Thirty, and Ship Thirty was Twitter, freaking Twitter. And so now I'm back on Twitter, which I hate because now uh, I have to re redefine mm. my interaction with it. Like I can tell. It's like a, it's like an alcoholic, like being required to like take something that has a little bit of alcohol and he's, he's doing it too much. <laughs> yeah, for him, I'm slipping a little bit too, actually. Like now you say that my habits have 
like, I really want to be serious about maintaining a window. This is social media window because yeah. it's like, like, especially with the reading, it, it reading is the first thing that goes. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's in between me actually producing stuff. It's where I'm like, I'm just, and I'll find myself doing it where I'm just chilling and I'm like, scroll, scroll, scroll. But that's where the like, ideas come. Do where, it. Like, you're replacing your ability to have good ideas if you're just filling all the space. Yes. So I, I have to put it, I, I, and that's the, that's the part that bugs me. The, the amount of times that I'm realizing like I'm doing the action of putting it down, it bugs me. So I'm, I'm, I've got to find um, some methods that I might, I might go into what Dickie, what Dickie offered, which is the, the app blocking those kind of things. And I'm, I'm overreacting because I, I came from a life that had zero social media, social media. Uh, so my sensitivity is probably much higher than most people. And they look at me like, why are you spazzing out? Yeah, I, feel like and no. I, I have this mo moment. I could have been doing what I did before, which was like getting through an amazing book. Uh, and that's what kills me where I'm like, that's, I don't want to replace what we were doing before with the scroll. That's just my big thing. Yeah. And I, I would just say yes and no in the fact that if you've been in the scroll, scroll, like you're at more of a risk, I think, because one, it's sure. like the, the wires get more solidified. And then two, it's like, it's just harder to, to stop a habit. But the other thing is I wanted to say, I think we both have this, the same way we've gotten obsessed with reading, obsessed with human nature, obsessed with psychology, yeah. whatever else. It's the same superpower that can also be very dangerous. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of trouble with alcohol. Like it's been actually really hard for me to, to drink normally. I, so I basically don't drink anymore. And I think that's still the same trait. I don't know. Do, do you have, feel like you have this too? Just this, I love, I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. And like this, now you, you hand copy, copy for an hour before bed. For a lot of people, that's like more work in a month more intense work in a month than they do in a year, you know? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I hand copy an hour when I wake up in the morning too. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I am, I gotta get my uh, game up, man. I uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty hardcore, uh, and I I've always been that way. Where if I'm if I'm doing a thing, like I don't I don't throttle very well. Uh, so that, that's <laughs> why I I quit social media was because it wasn't it wasn't one thing. Like I did I was doing a couple different. Uh, platforms so if i if you multiply like what i'm doing with twitter times like four platforms there's just so much time in my day that i was like spending not realizing it but uh same thing with with alcohol and <laughs> stuff um, I, def <laughs> I definitely tried things and i wasn't ever the kind of person that was habitually down that road um but if i did it like, i no throttle <laughs> you know you know like there's just not a throttle so that's the 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 gift and the curse like you were saying but it's also just like me being honest that i, I know um when i when i when i left social media i recognized that one of the things that i may not be able to do is control how intense i am so i can definitely control the environment that i'm in mm. so about, about things like it, this is you know it's very similar to the idea of what he says that is the the content you can you you consume I knew that I wouldn't be able to to meter how intense I would be about something so I'm just going to surround myself with things that if I'm in it that it's going to be moving me forward so I can just if I'm going to bounce I'm going to bounce to like 
my next best thing and then my next next best thing and then back to my my best thing and i'll just use the environment to my advantage rather than having to worry about put these things in a series of moderation uh sections and now i'm just not good at moderating <laughs> so i stopped worrying about it you know and and that's what odysseus taught us you know the odyssey yeah i haven't i haven't read the whole thing so i need to go back but really quick he oh the, we're talking the about like, uh, the sirens yeah 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 that's it you yeah. have to design the environment at first before yes. it comes up i i love this idea and for people like us that is so essential to understand so if i'm not controlling my environment i i can have really really bad outcomes i think the thing is the same way that we're very intense we have much bigger variant in outcomes based on this this trip sure. and i agree and yeah so it's just environmental design has been so key and with journaling i place my journal next to my bed and i always journal mm. so i I've been journaling from the last week, week and a half. Great. And I, uh, I, I, I sleep with it next to my bed and I wake and I, oh, I, I go to bed with it next to my bed and I wake up and I grab it's the first thing I grab, but uh, I, I'm lost. <laughs> like I'm just writing down moments that I'm like, okay, this will work. I'll write this and I'll, I'll, I'll riff on this and I'll, I'll capture this moment of, of, of thought um but without the concept of what it is that i'm doing you know Dude, so I'm, i think that's perfect I, think that's, like, I literally just write down today i did this like there's no pressure it's just mm -hmm. and some days though and then i go down i'm like and i'm feeling this i'm thinking this because this but it's like i just know that having it in the background as a habit is a really good outlet for when i need it and it's really fun to go back and look. Like, one of the craziest things, man, when I started this new journal, I said, this is the journal that will watch me go from amateur to pro. I wrote that like two <laughs> months ago. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about ship 30. All of a sudden, man, like I'm on the cusp of, I'm on the cusp, you know, you did it. I, I and, yeah, there's just like having this book a record of your life is is a really beautiful thing. Green lights, man. That's all green lights was. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever have you, have you read yeah, that book. It's good. Matthew. No, uh, yeah. but you couldn't have had that. You couldn't have had the, the the visceral moments that he that he described without having like some connection to it. But I'm less like your your reason is for elegance. It's awesome. I commend you. I'm way. <laughs> more practical mine is all those ex okay so you and i both know that we're talking about marketing we're talking about human experience and we're all the same so the more the better you know yourself and the better you can observe patterns that are happening in your life the much e the easier it is for you to speak to those differences and those patterns in someone else's life like you can literally speak the language that you were having at that moment and it's going to translate to someone else and that's the reason why I recognize, I recognize that as a superpower that I didn't have, that I wasn't able to utilize. But the, the further you have to go back, the more ammunition, which is probably the wrong word to be using, but the more resources that you have to be able to speak to what people really feel. And it's not just in your head where you know about it. 
you can go back and you can understand it now that we're using our language. Um, and there's a difference there. So that's the real reason why I'm starting it now so that it can, it can, it can compound mm. and I can have been tapping into it and looking and observing what people go through. But that's, that's my real reason. To understand humans. Yeah, like, I understand yourself and then you. Amazing. I think that's good goal too. I have two questions I want to ask you on that. One, sure. you, you're talking about, about human nature. Do you have experience with meditation? A little bit. Um, okay, man, add that to your talent stack. Like, I, that is incredible. How much yeah. just like base trying meditation will, will that there's something there. I tried it. I had a difficult time. I found out why I had it. I, here, and here's the, here's the, I don't know if this speaks to anybody else. I had a hard time. I used to always say that I couldn't meditate because I needed, I couldn't sit still. I didn't know what to do with my head. All those different reasons. That wasn't, that wasn't the real problem. The real problem was I didn't like myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't sit in a room quietly and be in my own mind for 10, 20, 30 minutes. I didn't know this. This is way below the surface, but I had to become a person that I enjoyed being around or could, or could handle being alone with in my mind, not just like in doing stuff around the house. I mean, sitting still. And that was the reason why I began breaking through. So I can meditate now. I don't do it as much as I should. I, I use different mechanisms now. Like, so I'll run. I don't use, when I run, I don't use any, um, I don't use music or anything like that. I, it's just me, my breath it's for, for, for the whole, whole run. And I'm literally having conversations with myself or I'm focusing only on breath or in those kind of things. But I need to get back into the, 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 the dedicated time during the day. But I'll, I'm just offering that for anyone else that's been battling how to meditate. You may want to tackle your relationship with yourself or observe it before you start trying to pressure yourself into trying to sit still. There's a reason why you can't sit still. It is a fantastic point. It's, it's, I think for a lot of people, myself included, when I tried to start, it's like, the problem is not, I'm too fit. It's, it's really a much deeper problem. That's really hard to get to. And it's going to take a lot of work, but I think what you're doing with the running and breath work is, is a perfect example of how you mm. just understanding like base, base level of like what meditation is, is really powerful, really helpful. Agree. Well, and, and I, I don't remember what I went through a whole like YouTube bench phase, right? I remember Tim Ferriss talking about the monkey mind. He might've covered that then. That's my, that might've been what he's talking about is, uh, is 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 not so much like your inability to focus but like your inability to be able to be with yourself and those most people aren't connecting those dots um so i don't know if he this may be something someone else has already talked about i don't know but it was a breakthrough for me like oh oh so you have to change your language like in your mind not outside but you have to change how you how you speak to yourself you have to change like you have to change how you view what you do without, you begin to view yourself without judging. But there's a and step before that. And yeah, view yourself without judging. 
But the step before that is even understanding that it can be changed, that words are not reality. It's something right. over reality. Right. Oh, and we're about to, oh. <laughs> that's a riff right there. Um, yeah, I, I think for, for me, there's a, a big realization that obviously there's reality, but all of us are looking at reality through a lens, whether we want it to, whether we want to or not, whether we feel like it or not, your experiences, your perspective, all these things are coming through a lens. So whenever you react or whatever you think or any of those things, you have to understand that you're processing only as you're only processing as much as you can process mm -hmm. physically. So there's a layer that's happening. There's what you take away from it. Then there's your, there's your response. And these are all separate elements to it all. So you, you've got to realize that what happens in the world that you, that you see isn't what's happening in the world. It's what you're taking away from it. And that makes it much easier for you to understand people, to forgive things, to have different perspectives. But like when you take reality that you experience as a one for one, you're essentially saying you get, you understand how everything works. And that's not the case. Like it's assuming godlike status. Yeah. yeah. It literally is that big of a hubris. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but like, but you can also hear that through the night, right? Like you can hear people, you can hear what they, what they experience and what they believe through their language and how closely tied they are to it. Right. And so that's the, that's the part that I'm also had to recognize is that the language that I'm using in my mind is a representation it, of how I'm reacting to reality and so, so you it's not it's not reality if you see someone and you think some and you think something yes it's not them it's you yes yeah. and that's a big shift where you're thinking like oh man <laughs> oh, oh i don't when i, when I discovered yeah. this it, it's i discovered this from scott adams he, he gave like mm. a, a youtube video about it and it blew my mind like i felt euphoria for like 72 hours and it was just like, oh, like he calls it first accept the frame, at least as a filter, that there could be a subjective reality and you can manipulate it. And I thought, and I was feeling really negative this day. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm suffering because I'm choosing to suffer. Like my thoughts that I'm placing over reality, reality is neutral. I am making this negative and I am the cause of my suffering. It was just, it broke my, my, my brain. It was amazing. It, it, it can relieve a lot of, it can, it breaks the brain. It can also relieve a lot of pressure. Uh, if you want to dive, you want, if you want to continue like pulling that stuff, thread, that string, uh, there's a book called um, The Structure of Magic by Bandler. Is it, is it Bandler? Yeah, The Structure of Magic. And he'll talk about, uh, this is where the, the, I'm not sure if you've heard this before, but the, the map is not the re uh, mm. map is not reality. Map is not that the territory. Is, map is not the territory. There you go. He, he get, we're talking layers on layers on layers on levels on levels. If you want to pull that string, that will take you um, super far down. And like I said, you, you can begin to extrapolate where people are on that spectrum by the language they use. Um, and how closely tied they are to their own reality. Can, can, you, can you double down on that for me a little bit? Like how can you give some specific example? 
specific examples. Um, let's I don't see. Know if I <laughs> like it's been a while since I've talked about this stuff. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about causalities, generalizations. Um, when you hear people say things like "you you make me so angry," um, uh, them dims, um, <laughs> you know, um, things where they're tying cause ca causality to a reality or to an outcome. Mm. Like you and I know we use this a lot, right? If you want to be, if you want to, if you want to have, oh, if you want X, then Y. That's a, that's a causal link. Those things don't have to exist at all. There's no, there, those things, they don't have to exist that way. If you want, if you want to make more friends, then smile, but you'll hear the way people speak and they'll say things like, well, if you want me to do X, then, then you have to stop doing Y. Like there's so many, there's, there's these small little tidbits where you can hear how their mind connects their actions, their, their livelihood, their, their, their being with some X. And like I said, there's not really a connection as much as it is in their mind. So that's one way you can hear, but, ah, um, I have to publish an essay today. I have to, uh, the photo, the photo operators. I should, I have to, I need to, I need to, right? So that's why, that's why when you heard me, I've corrected myself when I said, I'm bad at, I am, is, is a connect, is a connector. It's, it's a, it's a belief system that I, and so when I hear that, I hear myself saying these things now, it, it sometimes it takes me noticing it vocally to, to catch it, but uh, there's that. So then you have um, um, nominalizations. What else do we have? Uh, generalizations where you'll hear, we use this all the time. <laughs> like, like and this is why it, it, it might behoove you to read the book because as writers, especially as in copy, we, we use these things as triggers. Um, most people, um, doctors will, um, new writers will, right? Like these are all, these are all generalizations for, for a certain spectrum of people to tie themselves to, right? Rather than being specific, like Connor does X, but you and I know that it's so much better for me to say something along the lines of like, um, what did I just do? Uh, you, we see this on Twitter all the time. Um, X is a superpower, but most people Y, right? That generalization allows people to attach themselves to it or to separate themselves from it. And so there's, a, there's this most people generalization. Like you, you'll hear people say that. So if you're not doing it consciously, then it's a problem because you're essentially saying all the world works this way and I know it. <laughs> and that's just not the truth, right? Yeah. So those, actually, are the, those are the kind of things where you can hear, you can hear how people separate, they separate reality in these little boxes of like the general, um, a distortion or they'll delete things. And this is kind of what the book is going to dive into. Um, I'm going to read this, the structure of magic. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, and this is, this is the other, this is the other one that down the road we'll link off, we'll link off, but like copy has so, so many borrowed traits from hip, uh, hypnosis or hypnotic language. Uh, that um, <laughs> like it's kind of it's, it's kind of scary 
when I read when I when I'm when I'm listening to like a commercial and I'm hearing like <laughs> like a hypnotic suggestion and I'm like, dude, you're only <laughs> using the hypnosis in the middle of a commercial and you're playing like twenty times a day. Uh, so that that gets a little a little iffy. But like when you when you when you uh, study it and you you know about it, it lets you hear these things out in the world and pay attention to them. And you'll yeah. see why like certain certain speeches are so are so intense but they're also hypnotic it's they're using pacing leading and then yes present tense suggestions right yeah present tense uh present tension then moving that future pacing it right moving that tense they'll, they'll have you in a tense now and then they'll take you for imagine uh if you were sitting and that imagine in the senses notice imagine realize these things take your attention and they they, they expand they expand you out so that you're starting to kind of it moves it's moving your attention around right rather than grabbing it it's moving it so you can pinpoint it into like notice whenever your foot's on the ground that you can feel your toes squishing inside your sock you felt that before i said it but now that i'm talking about it you're now realizing like how squishy your sock feels and you know what i mean like that's the that's the the connection that i see with copy is that certain people have really strong tendencies to be able to focus through their language and i'm like this is hypnotic man like this is super hypnotic blows my mind i absolutely noticed that as well i i, I took an email course from joshua Isaac, and one of his courses was hypnosis hypnosis copywriting jo oh joshua Isaac. yeah Amazing. And scott, scott adams is also a trained hypnotist and yeah I'm really interested in going down the hypnosis rabbit hole at some point. Um, the, the other thing I've noticed with great copy is it's always using all five senses as best as possible. Not always, yeah. but it's like, you see, listen up, uh, or, or the, the smell of money. Like, just like you said, it's just kind of jerking you around a little bit. It's, it's very interesting. I'll say this. I, I feel like they, they, well, I feel um they use feeling too as well i do think they use all five senses i think they i think they they hang their hat on visual metaphors right i think that's the that's the core thing is that you, they can speak it's okay how do i say this they don't have very many normalizations so you're not going to see like isations uh shuns you know the words that end in t-i-h-o-n or T-I-O-N, they don't have very many of these, like, realization is different, but like maximization, it's not, that doesn't do anything for you. But what, they'll, what they will do is they'll say something along the lines of like, you'll have more that you can hold in your hands or you can, you're, you're yeah. something will be overflowing or they'll use a metaphor that, con that has a connotation of a visual asset to it. So yeah. I feel like once they get that down, they begin expanding that out into like they'll just tap on these different like these different senses like the smell and the and the and the feel the sound but they'll come back to they'll always come back to a core visual if they can't if you can't turn, tie it to a visual then it becomes weak for example mm -hmm. numbers people talk about percentages they're okay but like who can visualize like fifteen percent growth. No, I can't. I can't. Yeah, like there's no, but like you can, you can visualize like a, 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 you can visualize a new 
a new high or a new hire like every three days, or you can visualize a new, a new something every three. So there's a correlation to being able to speak in both languages. So my, my goal is once I get to a point where I can, I, I can, I can rely on my copy skills. I'm definitely going to try to certify, get certified as a hypnotist, hands down. Fantastic. Yeah, like I, from that was like the goal from the get go is like get a little bit of get a little bit of writing underneath where you can rely on it, and then learn the learn the hypnosis track because I want to understand how the mind. I'm just into persuasion, man. That's like that's like my biggest thing. Is I just love love geeking out about persuasion. It's it's fascinating. It's useful. It's it can be positive some, you know, I think there's, why not? Do you hear that ambulance? But, uh, oh, that, that, that is? Sorry. Yeah. yeah that's the well, I feel like uh, uh, it's all about, it's also understanding how people form and break beliefs, right? Like that stuff just really, it, it, it interests me because most of what we make possible in this world is tied to what we believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so stories. Able to move that is a, is a powerful skill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to get going to bed soon too, but I want to ask you one more question. What? I want to ask you one more question. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't asked you this yet, but what are your goals with persuasion, with copy, with hypnosis, with whatever? Like, I'm so excited to see what you do in the next few years. I, I, <laughs> I know I'm watching a rocket ship leaving Cape Carnival right now. So just what are, what are your <laughs> You're smooth, man. Um, well, I'm serious. Like, what are you planning on doing? I don't have a plan after I do it. I just wanted to, I like one is safety. One is like a safety thing, right? Like I feel like once you get to a point where persuasion is one of your core mm. skills, doors open, whether or not it's like tangibly, like me being able to make money and secure finances for myself, or if it's, be being able to network and create opportunities through other people um or it is to help people benefit like as a teacher the more persuasive that you are the easier it is for you to be able to deliver your knowledge so that was really where i started first was like i was a teacher and i realized that my sales background really helped me teach um but i really wanted to learn persuasion because i one and super curious about it and two it was such a deficiency for me to understand people emotionally that i wanted to counteract that and become it wanted it to become a little bit of a strength so it's part ego part safety and part curiosity but all three together i have no idea what i'm going to do with it um <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully something that that allows me to I don't even know. I haven't even gotten that far. I can't even, I can't even fill in the blank. I think, um, it's, I think it's a fantastic first step. I'd love to hear if you do some reflections, some journaling on this, like what you can <laughs> do. After you, after you teach me, man, for sure. But um, yeah, I'm going to post on journaling actually soon. Um, what did I want to say with it? Like, I mean, dude, I, I respect that a lot. It's actually, it's really cool to see someone who's saying, you know what, this is, I want to play this game. I'm going to play this game really hard and I'm going to see what happens. And I know it's valuable and we'll see what happens, but it's, it's not easy to just do that. So flip, gonna flip before you let me go, I'm going to flip it on you. Um, what are you going to do with this conglomerate of skills? Hmm. 
because you've got a couple, you got a couple that are stacking up. And um, what is the what is the end game? Okay, so the the very purely self interested, selfish goal is I want to own my time, hundred mm. percent. I, yeah, I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I realize like uh, I don't do well when I'm doing things that I want to do. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time doing that with school <laughs> and <laughs> I see it now when I, when I discovered Naval's work, I said, oh, okay, it's possible. I just got to put in the work and I said, you know, I'm willing to play that game because what else is there to do? So very like short to medium term is I want to support myself financially. And that, that doesn't even have to be something crazy, but I want to be able to, to fly a couple times a year to be able to help my family members to be able to, if I have a family, support my family. You know, so, so right. that's very much the front thing is I'm thinking about this financially. Well, I, I take it back a step back because if it really was, then I would have done something more secure maybe. But since I love people, just like you, like I was a teacher too. And I noticed, oh, being persuasive makes you a better teacher, uh, makes you a better friend. You can date better. Like it's just, it's so obviously useful, obviously applicable that I'm just having so much fun with it that I'm, I'm, I'm also in a place with you, but I think there's real value in having concrete goals. Like, so I tried to write down, I want to have 10,000 LinkedIn followers in three months because yeah. I think same thing like Parkinson's laws, if there's no concrete measurable goals attached to it, it becomes like you can, it becomes easier to take the foot off the gas. I'm not experiencing that yet, but I think some clarity of mission would be a bit better. Um, so it's really own my time. And um, like, I want to have, I want to be like, yeah, I love this now. I'm going to go spend like two months studying this. I'm going to go on a meditation retreat for two weeks. I'm going to learn how to dance. I'm going to like, this is, and I see this as a possibility now because of the internet. And, um, right. and then I, I, I really want to just like learn a lot of stuff. It's hard, man. It's like, what do you do? But I think <laughs> <laughs> I know decisions, man, Cho choices. I know, I know that feeling. I think you're, um, I think it's also, and I was saying this to someone else, I think it's more difficult when you're multi-talented because uh, you have options. And this is one of those things where most multi-talented people don't view themselves as being multi-talented, but uh, you do have an affinity that could fit into a couple different areas. So having choice, you know, the, uh, what's the, what's the, there's a, something attached to that. I know it's the analysis through paralysis, but uh, I can say that backwards. Paradox uh, analysis. But uh, the, um, the paradox of choice, right? That's, uh, that exists, especially when you have the option to do multiple things. So um, good for you for, kudos for you for honing in and, uh, and busting through that, like, that difficulty. So I'm excited to see you once this becomes uh, something that you can wield where you turn your attention to afterwards as well. I feel exactly the same, man. I think we got some exciting times ahead. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate the uh, the time. I, I, like I said, I was intimidated by uh, by the Zoom. I'm not used to speaking um, and being recorded, so this is this is new to me. Uh, but I had a pleasure. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for your time. Me too, dude. Hey, thank you for coming. All right, let me stop the recording real quick.